stand this morning for the reading of God's word. And if you can turn with me to Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, verse 1, we are, we are in our series, week three of our series, one, and we've been challenging everyone to bring one friend to one experience, one service, uh, for one opportunity to encounter the one true living God. And, and this week we're talking about the, uh, the encounter. And last week we talked about the opportunity with the Ethiopian eunuch. And if you were here, we talked about him jumping on a moving vehicle and how dangerous that is. And we don't believe anyone, God is calling anyone to do that nowadays. But I'm just saying, and today we're talking about the encounter, hence the video that just showed, and I'll get to that. But let's look at God's word together. And it says, meanwhile... Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So this wasn't, when this is written, it's not written in, it, he's, it's not written, written in past tense. Like this is happening, if you can imagine, real time. So in real time, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. The Bible says he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, meaning if they called themselves disciples of Christ, whether men or women, it doesn't matter, men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he, as he came near Damascus on his journey, journey, suddenly, everyone say suddenly, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And, and his response is, are you Lord? And he says, I am Jesus. I'm the one that you're persecuting, he said. And he said, now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Verse 7, the men traveling with Saul, because remember, there's other guys with him. Can you imagine being one of these guys? Like, he's lost it now. This guy's crazy. He's hearing voices. And, but listen, the men traveling with Saul, they stood there speechless because they heard the sound but, not did, but did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And so they led him by the hand into, to Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now, Father God, I, I thank you for today and I thank you for this moment. Lord, I, I just thank you that in the next few moments that as some, some already have, we've encountered you. And I believe, God, with all of my heart this week, especially in, in light of this week's events, there is no way that I could have planned it this far ahead of time. God, I believe that you've been sending Crossroads Church, this little church right here in the middle of nowhere in Belton, Texas for big things, God. I pray, Lord, that our Colleen campus is blessed today as well as they've already had their service, Lord, but they've had their encounter. Now is our moment for our encounter. Lord, that today, Lord, as we stand here, as we, as we emotionally go through the words and the thoughts that we're about to experience, that, God, I pray that some how that there would be a real encounter with you. That you would speak to our hearts through something I say, through your word today. God, just a God encounter with you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So be it. You may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. I want to uh, share with you something that, that I find very interesting that um, as we go throughout today, um, it is, there's a couple of statistics out there. I tried to find the best I could, the best culmination, the best um, litmus for, all, for them all. And, and it seems as if the general consensus of our, of our population is that, uh, stay with me, that 6%, 6% of our population um, 
have said that they have seen a UFO, an unidentified flying object. They've, they've witnessed it in the sky. They've seen it on the ground. Somehow, somewhere, they've, they've witnessed. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because maybe that's you. Maybe you know someone. Maybe you saw something or thought you saw something. And I'm not here to, to prove or disprove or, or, you know, our, our, our uh, dissertation today is not about UFOs, but it is definitely about encounters. And... Um, I don't know if you've seen this movie, Waiting for Guffman, the, the clip that we just showed, and, and uh, these guys in here talking about UFOs coming and landing, and they went on the ship to have a potluck dinner, and I think that's pretty cool if that, maybe that would happen. But, um, so 6% of our population has said that they have, they have, with their own eyes, have seen a UFO, an unidentified flying object. Now, if you've seen my wife pass you by on the highway, you might say, that was an unidentified flying object. Something flew by me. Probably more accurately, that's probably me is what they would say. Um, an, a UFO. Now, it gets a little better. Um, two to four percent of the population have said not only have they seen a UFO, but they've actually experienced a real deal holy field abduction by aliens. Two to four percent of our population. Now, these people are living among us. They're shopping out at the same stores that we shop. They're driving down the same highways that we're going down. But 2 to 4% of people have said that they have been abducted by aliens. That somehow aliens have come down and have taken them. Now, I don't know if they've been probed or what. I'm just saying that's usually what follows the abduction. But So 6% say that they have witnessed a UFO. We've seen something in the sky. We've seen something. Now, I'll admit, there have been, there have been times, there's been moments, I, I've, I've seen the things on YouTube and, and uh, you know, on your own time. You'd please don't do it in church now on, I kill the Wi-Fi, guys. Um, you know, there's all kinds of videos out there to show that, and there's been all kinds of movies. I mean, think about the movies that have, you know, the movies that have came before even my day and time and, and um, for those that don't know, there's probably a whole generation out here. I don't even know if they're reading this book anymore. I remember reading it in high school. It's called The World, the War of the Worlds. And um, back in, I believe it was the early 40s, uh, before really TV was, you know, before TV was in, in every home and we had multiple TVs, people, families would sit around and they would listen to radio. And for the generation that this is the first time you're hearing this, you can ask some of our, our uh, more uh, senior, more mature saints in the room about this. But there was actually a radio show that, that they were part of, what, part of the story that they were telling was this War of the Worlds, that aliens had come down and they had sound effects, you know, on the radio and, and uh, maybe had a piece of tin and they were making it sound like lightning or thunder. And, and uh, people, listen, people really believed that there was aliens coming down and, and some people began to panic just by what they heard about this story. And, and of course, there was a movie uh, made later about it and there's been several movies made about it. And so there's, there's 6% of the people that say that they have seen a UFO. Two to four percent of those people have said that they've actually been abducted by aliens. Now, I don't want to encounter you've, you've had in your life, or maybe you're here and you're not, you're, you're not laughing because you're like, Pastor Matt, I was abducted by aliens, you know? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you were. Maybe you weren't. That's, that's neither here nor there. But what I do want to talk to you about today is that for these people, for us, when, when you have an encounter with someone or something, whether you know it's, whether other people believe it or not, if, if something has happened to you that you would say is an encounter, and, and you believe it at the core of who you are, 
that no one can discredit it. Now, there was a movie back in the 70s. We were going to show some clips from it. We found this one. We felt it was a little more, that would lighten the mood a little better. And, and, uh, and I don't want to come down on, I don't want to come up with a somber moment. When I come up, I want you laughing, you know. So um, helps my delivery a little better. And there's a movie, though, back in the 70s called Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Now, raise your hand if you've seen this movie, you've heard it. Yeah, sure. Everyone 35, 37 and up uh, is kind of raising their hands. And... Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Now, this movie um, is not the typical alien movie where, you know, the aliens come now with laser guns and, and uh, they're choo, 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 they're shooting everyone or destroying the human race. It was like a friendly encounter experience. You know, everyone felt light and fluffy and unicorns and rainbows. That was the, that was the alien experience. But there's a moment in this movie where the dad has had an encounter uh, our main character, the main character, uh, Richard Dreyfus, in the movies, he, he's already had an encounter with the aliens. And, and he's told a few people, he's told a psychiatrist, everything, everyone thinks he's crazy. Everyone, even his own family, they're, they're like, ha, ha, ha. you know, it's the awkward laugh when dad's around. Like, you know, everybody just be easy. Here comes dad. He's a little crazy. You know, kids don't mind dad. And, and they're sitting at the dinner table. And the dad, Richard Dreyfus, is playing the main character. If you've seen this movie, you'll remember this. And they're sitting at the f- table together. They're eating dinner. And the little girl, she's talking about there's a fly in her potatoes. And they're talking about their day. And the dad, he's, he's thinking about this experience. He's thinking about this encounter, this encounter. And he begins to put potatoes on his plate. And he starts playing with the potatoes. And he's trying to make them into this ship, into this image that he sees. And then the camera pans to the rest of the family. And they're just... You know, and the little boy starts to cry because he's like, oh my gosh, my dad's, my dad's lost it. And the dad starts crying and, and uh, it's, <laughs> I don't think they meant it to be humorous, but now that in 2013, it's funny to us. But he's like, he says, it's all right, kids. Dad's, dad's just a little crazy. He's going to be okay. And, and he's had this encounter. And, w- and when I think about what we read just now in the book of Acts, and as we're studying the book of Acts during the series and We're talking about encounters with God, and what I want you to do now, church, Crossroads family, what I want you to do now is I I want to ask you and challenge you in this moment to really reflect on your own personal encounters with the one true living God. I believe that you're here today for one of two reasons. A, you've already experienced an encounter with God that has been so tangible, it has been so real, and has been so authentic that not even your family can discredit your experience. Or you're here today and you've never experienced God before. And hopefully during worship or during the next few moments, I believe that God will speak to you. And you'll leave here knowing what a God encounter looks like, what it feels like, what it's, it's tangible, it's authentic. And you can't help but encounter God. You know, when we started, when we started this series, I challenged everyone to, in week one, I hope you remember, but in week one, not only to as we talk about one, bringing one person to church here and letting them experience the one true living God and, and believing in an encounter, but stay with me, Crossroads, is that we want you, I want you as, as church members, as God-fearing people, to go home on your own, to open God's word for yourself, and to read through the book of Acts, to see what, 
the early church experienced. Amen. Are you with me today? To see for yourself, like, because here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want every Sunday for me to paint a picture for you of what God encounters are like. For me every week, for you just to sit there and rely on the pastor to tell you what your experience is supposed to be like. I believe with all of my heart, church, that God has brought you in this place today to encounter you, that he can look into your soul, look you in the eyes right now this morning, say, I am speaking directly to you, a God encounter, amen? And I believe that when we crack God's word, when we open his word for ourselves, and, and, and I want you to say amen. I want, if I've said something today that stirs your heart, I want you to respond with a clap or an amen. That, that'll help me preach better. Okay. But beyond that, beyond that, now I got to live up to it. Now beyond that, beyond that, I want you to go home. And I want you to experience what is happening in the book of Acts for yourself because here's what's happening, church. Jesus has recently gone to heaven. All of the disciples and the new converts, they're just, they're learning what it's like to be, they're the first ones called disciples of Christ. In fact, later in the book of Acts, the first time we ever hear the word Christians used, and they're just feeling this out, and it's so organic, and it's so fresh, and there's nothing organized about it. They're just getting together, and they're loving on one another, and all of a sudden, God is showing up, and he's healing people, and he's delivering people and all they're doing is saying God we believe you're real and we believe that you want to encounter us and and we're going to let go of the religious do's and don'ts and we're going to take you out of the box and we're going to say God we want you to come when we're meeting together and encounter us we want to be encountered by the one true living God now I make a living preaching sermons and ministering to people but I'm willing to bet 99% of you in here don't really need another sermon you need a God encounter. You need an encounter. With the, you need something so real, so authentic, that when you get out of here this today, and if we have another week like we had this week, you have had an experience that you know no matter what happens today or if tomorrow even comes, I know the experience I've had and who I've had it with. I know who holds my tomorrow and who holds my today. No one... Amen. The devil can't take it from me. No one in the world can take it from me. I know the encounter that I had, and it's real. It's real. It's real. You know, when I think about reading God's word and encountering God's word, I want to challenge you, church, if you're taking notes, please feel free to write this down. A God encounter is your genesis to live. Write that down. A God encounter, your God encounter is your genesis to live, meaning the genesis word means beginnings. It's new beginnings. Your God encounter is your genesis to live. It's your beginning. It's a spark. It's an ignite. It's, it's, um, it's a match to the kindle. It's a match to the fuel. It, it lights it. It stirs it up. That's, your encounter encourages you to live, to, to begin a new life. God's word to me, it, it's, it brings so many benefits with it. It, it does so many things for us. I, I, when I think about reading God's word, um, it's, it becomes hard at times. Let me say that again. Reading God's word can be hard at times. Now, you're saying, Pastor Matt, what do you want to talk, you know, what, what are you talking about that God's word is, his word is hard, his word is, what I mean by that is, when we sit down with the Bible for ourselves, not reading it on a screen somewhere, but when we sit down with God's word for ourselves, remember the mirror illustration I gave you earlier? It's just like that. James spoke about that in the book of James in the New Testament. He says that when you look into God's word, it's like you're looking into a mirror. 
And why do we get dressed in front of mirrors? Why do we? So don't we have boogers? You know, we don't have bears hanging out of the cave. No bears in the cave. No cubs in there. You know, um, we've shaved where we need to shave. Apparently, I'm not very good at that. We, you know, we, all the blemishes that we have, we want to cover them up. We want to, we want to look our best. That, that's okay. Um, we, we, that's what mirrors are for. It's for fixing the flaws. It's so that when we stand before, it's like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to get my tie right, my shirt right, my dress right, whatever it is, you know, you get things right. It's looking into God's word. It's like looking into a mirror, James says, and it's an opportunity. It's a moment for us to fix the flaws, to get things right. But God's word is hard sometimes because when we look intently into his word, I'm holding an iPad and the Bible's on it, but when we look into God's word, and we see what's reflected back to us, what happens is no longer can we say we don't know. Now we have to deal with what we just saw. Let me say that again. No longer can we say we don't know about our flaws. We don't know what you're talking about, God. You talking to me? Huh? I'm not saying. Who are you talking to? But when we look into God's word and he begins to speak to us, we have to deal with what he just showed us. And I, I'm convinced that a lot of people don't really search God's word because they don't want to deal with the mess that they got going on. I think our generation would say junk in the trunk. You know, so much baggage. We, got, we just got so much baggage. So much baggage. God, Pastor Matt, you don't understand. I can't have an encounter with God. I got so much going on. Even God can't deal with this. Really? Really? I bet you would be surprised at what God can, God can and cannot do. For me, I guess the real danger in reading the Bible is that you run in the risk, you run the risk of meeting him. The real danger of reading the Bible church is that you run the risk of meeting in him. The real danger in worship when we stand on the floor in these near our beautiful comfortable chairs that we're all helping pay for, but when we when we stand here, seriously, in corporate worship, and we raise our hands, and we sing the songs, we run the risk of the encounter. We run the risk, because what happens, church, is when you have a real encounter with God, and you really meet him face to face, I'm telling you, you're stuck dealing with the stuff that he shows you. And I believe there are people in our life and people in our world, they don't want that real encounter because they don't want to deal with the baggage and all the junk that they brought with them. But here's the beauty in allowing God to speak to us. Here's the beauty in a real God encounter is that God is saying, I'm big enough for you. I'm strong enough for you. In fact, in your weakness, I am made strong. And church, it's not until I admit how weak I am that I see how strong he truly is. And when I say, God, you're right, I am frail, and I am weak, and I've got stuff that I can't deal with. I've got stuff that I can't process. There's too much emotionally that I cannot download and deal with. I need you to come in and encounter me today. Show up in my workplace. Show up in my marriage. Show up while I'm raising my kids. Show up. Come on, when I'm worshiping, show up where we are. And let me tell you something, church. What I love most about corporate worship on Sundays is because God honors his word. He says when two or three of you come together, when just even little pockets of you come together, I, I don't care if you meet in a home. See, God's not prejudiced. He says, you know, you have to come to this building. You have to show up to Crossroads Church at 1030 on Sunday morning. And if you're a little late, I'm just going to bless those that, that were here on time that, that came to sit on the front row because all the real Christians sit on the front row. He doesn't say any of that, church. 
He doesn't say any of that. He says, you know what? If you came in fighting and scrapping on the way, if you came in arguing, it, it doesn't matter. If, if you came in, you, you just got here by the skin of your teeth. I, I'm okay with that. But when two or three of you show up and you begin to pray and you begin to worship and you begin to love on each other, he says, I'm going to show up where you are because I want to be around that stuff. And he says, I'm going to encounter you. So here is Saul. His name is Saul. His name is not even Paul yet. We call him Paul. We say that Paul wrote over half the New Testament, and in almost half of those, he wrote from prison and gave his life, yes, ultimately for Jesus. We call him Paul, but, but his real name, his real name was not Paul. It was Saul. I believe that when God encounters you, he even changes your name. <laughs> You know that most of the disciples, a lot of their names were changed when they encountered Jesus. Can I tell you what? That when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected, that the Bible says in that moment we were called sons and daughters. We were called his brothers and sisters. Our names were changed. In fact, it says we've been given a new name and it's been written in the Lamb's book of life. That there's this book in heaven. Now, I don't know if it's a big book or if it's a small book. If God has some kind of iPad and, and he was way ahead of the times. But there's, listen, there's a book. There's something in heaven that's got our names written in it. If you've confessed Jesus as your Savior and he says, your new name in glory has been written in that book. Let me tell you something, church. God encounter changes everything about you. Now, I know maybe there's some of us here today who's like, man, I wish when I encountered God, I would lose weight, I'd look better, my hair would turn black again, it wouldn't be so gray, or, you know, what about that stuff, you know? Well, I don't know, because maybe there are some things God can do. I, I, don't, I don't know. But listen, God encounters, listen to me, church. He, he begins to change everything. Now, in case you were, you were nodding off or, or you, were, you were checking a sports score or what, whatever, but listen, let me, I didn't stutter. Let me, let me just say this again. God begins to change everything. Everything. Look at your neighbor and say everything. He, see, God begins to change everything. He begins to, he begins to change everything. See, when we read God's word, we find, that, we find that God is not this God that is so far, so distant, that he doesn't ever come to us. In fact, if we look intently throughout scripture, God is forever coming to us. He is forever stepping into our world. He is forever stepping right in the middle of our situations and coming to us and saying, I want to be involved in your junk and in your mess. I want to be right in the middle of it. I want you to invite me in the middle of your argument. Invite me right into your marriage. Invite me right into the middle and the dirty and the dark stuff that no one else knows what's going on. I want to be there. Because he's the only one that can fix it. He's the only one that can straighten us out. He's the only one that can make us in who we want to be. Look at your neighbor, neighbor again and say everything. Say it with some conviction, everything. God begins to change everything. He changes our countenance. That's why when someone has a real God encounter, they can't help but be joyous in spite of what's going on. They can't be, yeah, yeah, you can't help, but when you've been in God's presence, you, you're not Debbie Downer, you're not just, oh, woe is me, but you said, wow, man, I've encountered God. There's been a real experience. He has really spoken into my life, and you, you, you can try to discredit it. You can say it didn't happen. You can say all day long that God's not real and that, that, that he's still dead and that he's on the cross somewhere. You can say that all day long, but you know in your heart of hearts there has been a real encounter that was authentic, that 
that was so real, it was almost tangible, an encounter with the one. And so Saul, Saul has this encounter, church. He has this, he has this encounter with God. The Bible says, we read it, that while he was still breathing threats, while he was, he was on his way, man, he was huffing and he was puffing and he was ready to blow the doze down. Not just doors, but doze. He was ready to blow the doors down of some believers and yeah, I mean like SWAT team some doors and drag them out to the temple courts is what, is what the word says. And he says, while he was he was huffing, he was puffing, he was, I'm mad and I'm, I'm going to go to Damascus and I'm going to show those Christians what for and I'm going to bring them out and I'm going to bring them before the priest. And he had all these plans conceived and these plans contrived and what he was going to do when he got there and along comes God. Don't you just love it when, when God shows up to the person that you never thought God would ever show up to? It's the old saying, if we were God, they wouldn't be saved. <laughs> it's just the truth. You know, we've all got our spiritual hit list or whatever, you know. God, I know you love them, but <laughs> I'm not going to love them. <laughs> That's your job. Aren't you glad we're not God? Well, talk about an empty church. There'd be nobody in heaven. Because as soon as someone crossed us, ooh, the Pharisee would come out of us, and we'd get all sister on them, and <laughs> we didn't catch it on video, did we? <laughs> um, we'd get gangster, whatever. I'm just, I'm just being real. We do that. To, maybe you did that this week with someone. You're lovey-dovey with them the next, and the next minute they cross you, you're like, who are you who do you think you're talking to? And we, and, and we begin to treat people that are so close to us like they're, like they're a nobody, like they're dirt. Like, and and here, here is Saul. Here is Saul. He, he's in the middle of breathing threats. He's in the middle of, of cursing God's people, of ready to maybe even have some of them murdered. And the Bible says that the saints were afraid of him. In fact, the Bible says that during this time, God also spoke, if you read in that chapter, to a man named Ananias. And he said, Ananias, I'm sending Saul of Tarsus to you. And if you read the response, he says, who, what, why are you sending him here? Don't send him to my house. Send him to John's house or, or one of those other disciples. You know what I mean? Don't send him here, God. Honey, put the, let's go. We're moving. We're leaving. Come on, get the kids. We're out of here. Saul of Tarsus is coming. That's what the Bible says. That the Ananias questioned God. Said, "God, you're crazy. You lost it. This is the guy that's trying to kill all of us, and now you're you're sending him to my house. You want me to deal with this joker?" And the Bible says that on the way to Damascus, on his way, on his journey, while he was breathing threats, right in the middle of his plans, God interrupted him. And God began to use the most unlikeliest of people on the planet right in that moment. And God knocked him. His encounter was so powerful, it literally knocked him to the ground. I mean, it just, boom, right in his face. God gave him a quick one-two, and he's on the ground, this, this flash from heaven, and he begins to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. And he begins to have this encounter. I'm telling you, church, 
as we talk about our series one, as we talk about the people in our world, and I'm challenging you and I'm encouraging you to find someone, I promise you, unlikely as they may seem to you does not mean that they're unlikely to the Lord. And whether we look at someone, yeah, come on, give the Lord a praise for that. Amen, that's a good time to clap. Because that means you're getting it. Because unlikely as it may be that we say, God, Pastor Matt, I don't even know how they can be saved. It's just God's got his work cut out for him. Anybody else know somebody like that? Yeah, sure. I do. I raise both of my hands. I know a couple people like that. You know what I mean? I know a couple people that I'm like, God, you, you got your work cut out for you. I'm just saying. I know you can do all things, but I got to see you do it. Then I'll know. But seriously, there are people that we say, we know we say, God, if you can save them, holy cow, you're going to save anybody. What if God is speaking to you this morning, he brought you in here this morning so you can have your encounter and you can go out and you can tell somebody about your encounter. And you can look that person in the eye and say, you know what, friend, the same God that encountered me wants to encounter you. The same God that has blessed my marriage and has rescued my marriage is the same God that will rescue your marriage. Amen? The same one that got my kids back in church, that got my kids serving the Lord again, is the same God that's going to do the same for your kids. The same God that gave me a financial blessing and brought me out of the, uh, the brink of bankruptcy is the same God that is going to do that. Listen to me, church. He's a real God who's really alive today and is looking to encounter real people. And they may be like Saul. We've just got to allow God's redemptive work to do the process. All we do is we just cast the net. We just cast the net and we say, God, you, you've got to be the one to catch them. You've got to be, the, I'm going to cast the net. I'm going to let you do the work from there. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to share about my encounter. Remember, if you were here last week, we talked about our faith and our testimony. Here's what you do, church. It's this simple. Tomorrow at work, I promise you, there will still be conversations about what's happened this week. I believe God has given, our, our, I believe God has given us as believers worldwide open doors to, to minister, to minister healing, to minister hope. When everyone else is searching for answers, when everyone else is afraid and scared, we can bring comfort and security into the workplace, into the relationships in our circle of influence. We say, you know what, there's a real God that wants to encounter us. There's a real God that wants to protect you, to keep you safe. There's a real God that wants you to know that, that in spite of what happens in this world and as evil as men are, he's still in control, that he, he is still watching over us. He still holds the world in his hands. That, that there's nothing that men will do that will ever change who he is. We can, we can walk in tomorrow. We can begin to share our faith and share our testimony. We can share what God has done in our life. You know what, for, the, for those that are married in here today, you may know another marriage that's that at work or next door neighbor or someone that their marriage is in trouble. If you have a healthy marriage, you need to go to them and say, you know what? As God has done for us, so he will do for you. If you see a, a, a single mother or a, or a parent struggling to raise their kids and you've seen God do some great redemptive work in your family, church, you are to go to them and say, listen, let me tell you what God did through us. This is how we begin to pray. This is why we pray. This is how we pray. Maybe you're like Holly and I, and between our first child and our second child, and we went through uh, miscarriages and, and all the birthing issues, and, and we've had the opportunity to mis minister to couples in this church who are members of this church, who when we walked that path and, and, and what it was like to go through that or experience that, and you can look them in the eyes and say, listen, everything's going to be okay. God's promises are his promises. 
just need to, you hear me, church? You, you're, just, you're just sharing your encounter. That's all, you're sharing your encounter. And we look and say, what God did for us, he will do for you. I don't know how he's gonna do it, I just know he's going to do it. Amen? Let's stand our feet all across this place. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, it's nothing magical about that. We just, it's a great way for us all together just to be in this common moment. I'm asking no one, please moving around. I want to stir around. Your cell phone's off, surely, at this time. Lord, I just thank you for this moment. I thank you for this opportunity to be here, this opportunity, Lord, to speak to your people. I, I do believe, Lord, that there have been people in the sound of my voice, maybe watching on the internet today, that they came because all hope was lost. Maybe there's some here today that that, Lord, they felt like taking their life, that this was the last shot, this was the end of the rope, this was the last hope, this was, this was it. And if you didn't speak to them today, they might take drastic measures, but I believe that you brought them here today. And I'm not naive to think that there aren't people in here that, are, that have maybe contemplated that. And I, I feel like in a moment right now, just spirit-led, that we should pause for that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you don't want to be ashamed. That's fine. I believe there are people here today that you've, you've allowed the enemy to run crazy with your imagination, to feed you things, to fuel things in your mind. Your mind's gotten away from you. And you're so overwhelmed emotionally that the only way that you see out of it is by ending it. And friend, that is not God's plan for you. He loves you. He didn't die so that you could die. He died so that you could live. The enemy has cheated you out of so much, and, and I'm here to declare over your life that, that what you've been cheated out of, God is in the process and in the business of restoring more. As he did in Leviticus, the Bible says that what the canker worm stole and ate and what the enemy destroyed, God returned tenfold. And I pray that over your life today for emotional health, emotional well-being, emotional scars the disruptions and the noise and the chaos in your life, friend, whoever that is, I pray today that God is turning the volume down in your life and he's ministering to you. If you're here today and you are not certain if you left this planet today, if you left this earth today, however that would happen that you would make heaven your home and you say, you know what, Pastor Matt, I got to know that, I got to know that things are right with God. I got to know that when I leave here today, no matter what happens, that I'm ready to meet the Lord. I'm ready to stand before Him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up and put it right back down right where you are? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Come on, don't be ashamed. Just right where you are. Yes, thank you. Amen. Anyone else right in this moment? Come on. I want to be ready. I want to be right. There's nothing to be ashamed of that. And I want to, I want to know. I want to know that things are ready. Father God, you see these hands. You see our hearts. If everyone would repeat this prayer for me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Cleanse me of my sins. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for raising from the dead. I confess that in Jesus' name. I believe you did die for me. In Jesus' name.